there's a Bible verse in Isaiah that says God gently leads those with young. And my mm. friend pointed that out to me. Hello, welcome to Hi Mom, Let's Talk. This is our mom and daughter podcast. I'm Ingrid, I'm the daughter. I live in New York. And I'm Vicki, the mom. I live in Los Angeles. We're figuring out life from opposite coasts. Doing our best to cultivate a raw and transparent relationship that is also generous and safe. So mom, let's talk. Hi mom, let's talk about childhood faith. Okay. Instilling faith in your child. We have uh, a couple weeks before Easter, which means this is the Lenten season, mm -hmm. at least in our Christian faith. And so we're going to spend a few weeks talking about faith in different levels of our life, different age groups. And it seems like we should start at the very beginning, mm -hmm. a very good place to start <laughs> with uh, childhood faith. Yes, that's a good place to. And it'll become full circle because adult faith then leads into where you go when you all of a sudden have a child. Oh, of course. Yeah. So the place that I was when I had a child was different than where I am now. Mm -hmm. But I quickly realized as soon as I had a little infant, oh, this is my opportunity to express and shape my child, to express my faith with my child. And like you mm -hmm. said at the very beginning, our specific faith is Christian faith. We follow Jesus. And so this was my opportunity to share with you, my eldest child, and make all those decisions so true to form for me, I asked a lot of people and I watched a lot of people around me. We were at a small church at that time and there was people there that were parents of young kids. And so we became friends with them. They especially took us under their wing as we had our first child. There was one family that had three little girls that especially took us under their wing and then when we had you, we didn't know if we were going to have three little girls or two girls or one girl. <laughs> but they, uh, she, this one mom took me under her wing and I just watched her live. So mm. the way most things are transferred from people to people is by modeling and observation right. a little bit more than talking. So I watched her live. Let's, let's think about a big picture question before we talk even deeper about how to instill faith in your child. Why do you think it's important to still instill faith in your child? Well, for me, faith in God is, invades, permeates all, all of my life. Yeah. So I guess we think the big picture question is, what is the object of your faith? If you have mm. faith in something, what is the object of your faith? That's the big philosophical question. So my yeah. big philosophical answer was, I have faith in a higher power that is the creator and has a plan for me. And yeah. I get to learn about that plan in this book that I have written. And it's called the Bible and everything in it is true. Everything in it is definitely not pretty. No, <laughs> but not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not comfortable, but it's true. And that is uh, definitely what I grew up with mm. and what I wanted to instill in to my child. I would say it was one of the greatest privileges and also kind of ironically, one of the most powerful aspects that I hmm. understood 
of parenting. Okay. Just that like this is big deal. This is a, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by the most powerful? Like this is the biggest portion or most important piece of parenting or something? Yeah. You know, I kind of walked into parenting with not a, a lot of knowledge, just kind of like, okay, this is the next step in life. <laughs> and right, then right. I'll figure it out as I go. The way a lot of people I think walk into parenting. So as I walked into parenting, I, you know, got the books, the famous books, Mm -hmm. what to expect when you're expecting. And, you know, that's, it's a lot about sleep and eating and changing the diapers. And then you just start to read a little bit more about books, about people who have put a lot of attention into it. And when you were little, the internet yes. webs weren't huge yet. They were just starting. So mm. there wasn't blogs and podcasts and websites. I kind of feel like I wonder how many books people read anymore because yeah. they could just listen to a podcast. But I did read a mm. lot of books. I had quite a collection of books and What I realized was the shaping. I had a lot of shaping opportunity specifically with regard to what you learned and specifically what you believed about faith. And since faith is a central part of my life, I had the opportunity to present that to you in a way that would be enjoyable to you. Right. And that you would look at and go, oh, I want to follow that. Yeah. The other thing that I think is important for little children when it comes to like why faith would be important for them growing up. I mean, I think this is family by family, but my perspective is that it's one thing to just be like, you know, be kind, you know, like general morality that you have to teach your child as they grow up. But what's special to me about faith is that we are in a relationship with our God. And so what a child learns through faith is not just you need to be kind, but that it's okay if kindness is hard Mm. because you're not alone as you try it. Mm. I feel like there's a lot of, there's so much of being a child that's just like, let me teach you how to do it. And this is, Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of why that children get. No. You know, and and they don't always need it. They don't always ask for it. But I like the idea that even from like the one-year-old, two-year-old stage, the child would be getting the information or this context for morality in the world that when you're not expected to be great at it and you're not it's not expected to come super easy to you and that's not the same as not doing it. You know, I just feel like maybe that would take some of the shame away of like of making mistakes if mm-hmm. from the beginning what you've been taught is that we live in relationship with the God that created us and he walks alongside us to to grow kindness in us and mm-hmm. love in us. And mm-hmm. from the beginning, we get to turn to him for help mm-hmm. versus just like Toughing tightening our own. Yeah, trying to do it ourselves. That is the biggest distinction and the challenge because it's easy for a parent to teach a little person morals like this is what we do and this is what we don't do. Right. And certainly one of the philosophies that I had was obey right away, no delay, which is an excellent rhyme. It is. It's love rhymes. (laughs) It's a mnemonic device. I knew the motivation behind that was rooted in a relationship. And so that is and and it can get separated and isolated yeah. and then distorted. And that's where legalism comes in. And that's where shame comes in. So yeah. and it's it's a constant challenge. So I will say when you were little, daddy's parents turned us on to teaching called Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. Mm-hmm. And one of the distinctives that he had was the shaping influences. What are the shaping influences? Mm in your child's life and the privilege 
we had in holding out to our children the beauty of God and the concept of worshipers, that we're all worshipers. We all worship something. And so that they're two different concepts. So we are all worshipers, and we have the privilege to hold out to our children the beauty and the glory of God that's a shining light and wants a relationship with us and wants to help us. Like you said, he wants to to help us throughout the way. And through your middle childhood years and into your young adult years, I I thought, oh, this is, how can a child understand that? It's so abstract and we we don't see God. (laughs) And then we have a good family friend, Dr. Justin Barrett, who wrote a book called Born Believers. And he is a psychologist, a research psychologist who actually studied belief and faith in infants to five-year-olds. So now I have the support I saw it when you were little, but now you're an Mm -hmm. adult and I'm quite separated from little infants and toddlers, except for in my parenting classes. But you do have an an easy ascent to belief as an infant. It's been researched and it's not difficult Mm -hmm. for little toddlers uh, up until about age five to believe Mm. in something, a higher power that's an external agent that they don't see and that is not their mom. It's harder, according to research, for a child to believe everything that their mom can do than for them to believe this external change agent. So what I didn't know when you were little was just that, yeah, you can. I can just say God loves you and God wants to help you. And God understands when we make a mistake. That's why we say, please forgive me. And in all of those things that go mm-hmm. into making a faith and the whole concept of obeying right away, no delay is connected and rooted in a demonstration of love. And it's really right. quite simple then. There's not, we would go back to saying the same phrases over and over again with you. And I right. kind of question them, and but I, I kept coming to through prayer. This is all I need to say. This is what you can absorb and understand. Mm-hmm. And you act on that. And it's as you get older, you start asking questions and the waters get muddy and confusing. But enjoying God when you're little, me enjoying God myself and modeling that to you. And then as you live your life, connecting obedience with a picture of love. That's how you show me you love me is because you just do what I say. Yeah. So I think this is awesome and so helpful because what I just heard you say was actually that instilling faith in your child is sort of the wrong name to give this portion of of life, this age group. Mm. I'd say it's more about use Ted, Ted Tripp's language shepherding the faith in your child or directing the faith in your child to say, you know what, this one through five-year-old is probably going to teach me a lot about faith. If their whole brain is already open and available to imagination, to higher powers, to spiritual things, Mm -hmm. which makes sense because they have never been taught otherwise. Their whole world is Mm -hmm. like feeling and expanding and Mm -hmm. understanding this universe that they've just been brought into. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a lot less to worry about when it comes to like, how am I going to know whether or not they believe in God or whatever it is? My spidey sense goes up when I hear myself say, if you love me, you'll obey me because that can get distorted so easily. Yeah, it's and so manipulative so, so fast. So many stories of predatorial behavior between parents and children. Ugh. Aunts and uncles and children, Christians in the church, priests and fathers, you know, Catholic church, you know, like throughout the world. Yeah, the list goes on. (laughs) At every level, there is abuse of those words. And so it's hard for me 
to say those without lots of caveats around them. What I want to say is that based on what we read in the Bible, and that is my guidebook that I have shared with you and that I live by, is that Jesus is humble and gentle. He never forces people. He offers the option of taking his yoke upon you. He never says, here, wear this. Right. Never. And that right. is the distinction. It's always free will. It's always person's individual choice, even from a little childhood. So this is tricky because it's hard to give a child free will because yeah. of their the question of their safety. Yeah. But I think that's where the idea of shaping influences is so helpful. One mm -hmm. of the things that I know dad talks a lot about when he gives talks to young dads, and I, I know that you talk about in your parenting too, is just all the leading by example that happens. Mm -hmm. So like, why would your kid think that it would be fun to read their Bible if they never see you read your Bible? Yeah. And so it, it can't be performative. It, mm -hmm. it needs to come from your heart because no habit that's performative is going to last very long. But right. if you decide to make it a part of your life, and, there, and there's story upon story of like these young dads coming back to dad like months later and being like oh my gosh i just decided to like get up 15 minutes earlier and do a little devotional in my paper bible so that your kid knows that it looks different from this the phone mm -hmm. like little not even inviting the kid in just this is the way i live my life yeah what's the comment and then she'll see that and mm -hmm. pad up next to you and you know all of a sudden she wants to be involved because there's nothing kids want more than to be involved in their parents lives i don't know if you remember that when you were little when you got out of the crib and into your toddler bread it might be too young for you to remember, but when we lived in our old house and Ellen was just a baby, so Ellen took the crib, you uh, were in the toddler bed and you had autonomy and freedom. And I would get up Big early, old three -year -old. but you were like a little slight sleeper. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Always. You would come out and you would find me. And I feel like I was so scowly because I would be praying and quietly sitting on the floor in a different room of the house with my Bible. Like, Please don't find me. I know I felt like and I don't feel like I was very happy when I saw you. I felt like I was <laughs> grouchy. There's a Bible verse in Isaiah that says God gently leads those with young. And my mm. friend pointed that out to me when you were little. And yeah. I thought, okay, God, if I have no time to read my Bible and I just enjoy reading a, the children's Bible with my little toddler, Ingrid, then you know that I love to do a deep Bible study. <laughs> but if I don't get time to do that and she's here, help me to yeah. enjoy that with her. So that was a growing point. Oh, that's a cool story because, no, I don't remember that from when I was three, but I that also didn't stop when I was three. So I have memories all the way through my life into our our house we moved to after that that I mostly grew up in of considering your closet your prayer closet and knowing which rug is on the floor for you to kneel in the morning mm. and uh, by the time I was in like middle school and high school knowing that if I called mom three times and I went into her room and couldn't find her she was in the closet and I wasn't gonna open the door <laughs> <laughs> but that all comes from as a, a three-year-old just watching you do your thing mm. the other thing to add to just watching you do your thing was the small bits of habit that you did in 
instill into our daily lives, Mm -hmm. whether it was for my benefit or yours or both, that were habits of like, let's learn about God and let's memorize Bible verses or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But my memories of them, a credit to you, are not of legalistic, this is what we do as religion. They were so filled with joy and like, I just know that my day feels better when I start this way. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you have that memory. I definitely had in my mind through prayer, I, I, I was praying one time when you were a toddler about something else. And the thought came into my mind. So I credit it with the Holy Spirit yeah, guiding me and saying, just how do I, I was wondering, how do I teach the Bible to my little new child? Right. And the thought came to my mind, just talk about me all the time, mm. mm-hmm. which is so simple and straightforward. And it, yeah. And then... I had an inkling in the back of my mind, which was Deuteronomy 6. Talk about me when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. And I thought, oh, that's all the time. Now, I came to this on my own. Had I heard it from other teachings? Probably, but not extensively. And then what I came to learn is that is the Hebrew Shema, which is hear and obey in in Hebrew, and it's it's, yeah, it's like the one of the biggest pillars. It's their greatest part of the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> Bible verse, <laughs> and it's truly what Jesus says when people yeah. ask him what's the most important commandment, and he he goes right to the Shema. And it, I I didn't know that. I just right. I just came to it from prayer. But to me, that's the example of the supernatural work. Yeah. in our life is that the Holy Spirit will teach whoever, they yeah. don't have to be a scholar, what they need to know when they need to know it. And so and and so for me, I thought, okay, well, I want to hold out the glory and goodness of God to my little children in the morning over breakfast. And mm-hmm. then as they go to sleep at night, I would love to give them assurance of their identity, of who mm-hmm. they are and their belonging and their belovedness in Jesus at bedtime. So that yeah, was like how I framed my day. Yeah. Oh, man. That totally framed my day. We started with, we're a musical family. So we started with a hymn usually that we sang in the morning. Really simple. They weren't like big hymns. They were like little kid, like three sentence little things in yeah. our morning voice. And then one of my favorite things we did in the morning growing up were these little attribute flashcards. Where did you get those? Uh, Somebody gave them to me. It was a gift. <laughs> it, um, it felt... I I remember feeling like some days, you know, it's kind of like a turn it into a sort of a game versus like some reverent thing. It was just on this little ring. Yeah. And there were flashcards where one, it was one or two letters. Well, it was the ABCs of God. Yeah. The whole alphabet. It came from the Desiring God Ministries. So it was the attributes of God in alphabetical order, which I can still say because that's a a mnemonic device and it goes into our memory. (laughs) So the first one was was A, obviously, because alphabetical, and it said attentive. And then mm-hmm. on the back of it, there was a Bible verse mm-hmm. that used the word attentive or, or applied to that. And so did we? I think we went around and like each chose one every day, and you just chose whatever. And we made up a hand motion to it. Like, so oh, what is attentive? I that. So you put your hand up to your ear. And so before you read, that's what we yes. did. We would do a hand motion, and then mm. we would guess what you would do a hand motion. One of us would do a hand motion, and you would guess the attribute. Yeah. And then we'd read the it's Bible like verse. It's so simple, but we did it for years and years. And now they're like so coffee stained and like, <laughs> yeah, we still have them. And 
I mean, the beauty of that with me and my sisters is that we did get to sort of share it together. Mm -hmm. And each sister would, for a time, like choose, we would end up getting on a habit and like choose this, our favorite one for months. Yeah, your your youngest sister, the first A, there was two A's. Most of the time there's just one letter, but there was two A's. But the first one was coffee stain. So she would always flip to the second one because it was a clean page. (laughs) And that, like you said, that was attentive. Yeah. Yeah. And my my middle sister loved the word zealous. And so that we, we like for a while I had the whatever verse was on the back of zealous memorized. Yeah. Just because we said it all the time. So and that was just such a good example, I think, of this is not rote. This is not you need to memorize this for some reason. But because we've done it so long, it it gets written on our heart Mm -hmm. through habit. Yeah. And of course, then we ended the night with what we call thankfuls. And I kind of like that we'd separated or that we said thankfuls versus prayer. Yeah. Because a lot of people are like say good night prayer or prayer to go to bed, which is the same thing. Mm-hmm. But using the word thankfuls was was a really good habit for instilling gratitude again in a way that wasn't like we need to be grateful and let me explain to you why and like this is part of being a good human. Mm-hmm. It just became a thing, a habit, a thing that we did. I just still don't go to bed without thinking of thankfuls. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I'm, I'm glad about that. What we've learned today is that instilling faith in your child probably has just as much to do about opening up your own faith and creating habits for yourself that invite your child into the wonder and the experience of being in a relationship with God mm-hmm. and sort of trusting that the more the morality truths and the teachings will will follow from mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. You don't have to know a curriculum. No, just- it was just enjoying God through his word and whether that was the children's Bible or which I didn't always agree with the children's Bible because those kind of lean into morality yeah. versus just sharing a Bible story or a verse that talks about the glory and goodness of God. So that's why I feel like those attribute cards were so great is because they talked about a good attribute about God and didn't get us bogged down in all the other <laughs> things that can be messy and difficult and troublesome. We just enjoyed God together, which I think is a great way to start for a little kid. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like this is almost counterintuitive because so much of being a little kid and so much that I remember about kids' church or all the things had so much to do with, like, can you learn this base knowledge? Mm-hmm. Even school is like, can you learn this base knowledge versus what school could be, which is like, can I teach you how to learn or can I teach you a love for learning or in, or inspire a love for learning in you? And I think that's the same with faith. Mm-hmm. Can I invite you to join me mm-hmm. on on this relationship that we have. Well, and hopefully that whole concept that I was taught by the Holy Spirit to talk about me all the time was conveyed to you. And I will say it was helped by the friendships that we had and and that Mm -hmm. I had Mm -hmm. because, no, when you were a baby, my my good friend didn't have a child. But when your sister was born, my good friend had her child. And so we were new parents together and you were two at that time. Yeah. But we had the habit of stopping to pray throughout the day and you got to see that. So you got to see that modeled as, oh, when mom is upset about something, look that she stops to pray. She calls her friend. Her friend comes over. They say a prayer together. Uh, So hopefully that was modeled to you throughout the day. 
Yep. That we prayed about things and invited God into and alongside our activities for the day, which are pretty routine and simple when you're a little toddler. This is so hopeful. And what what we know about our faith is that we're all called to have more of a childlike faith. So this is really inspiring just for me for the day to think about how to go back to that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Next episode, we'll move toward once the child becomes more corrupted by the world. <laughs> When the when the born belief starts to get eroded. <laughs> yeah, it does actually change. Yeah. So I'm excited to talk about that next because you have been through that with us as well. The late elementary tween teen years yeah. is what we're going to talk about. And then young adult. We'll go from there up through the ages <laughs> to where you are now. All right. Good talking to you, Ingrid. You too, Mama. Thankful for you. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hi Mom, Let's Talk. If you liked hanging out with us, please rate and review us on iTunes. We'd love to hear your feedback and your support. You can find more relationship tools on our website, HiMomPodcast.com. If you'd like to suggest a topic or share your own story, you can DM us on Instagram at HiMomPodcast or write us through our website. Special thanks to Sienna Ryder for editing our podcast. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you soon.